Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for the first time since 2007, are division champions. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobbed one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy Gronkowski. <laughs> There's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out. He may run. Mahomes. No, throw the end down. Battle intercepted. Picked off in the end zone. Bucs are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. Devin White. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. All fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there the cannons go. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. For the first time since 2007, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are NFC South champions. The shorthanded Buccaneers offense is able to hit the road for a division matchup in Carolina. And they score 30-plus points to put away the Panthers. 32-6. The defense holds Carolina to only six points. Oh, and they also go ahead and produce a season-high seven sacks on the day. The Buccaneers win the division, clinch a playoff berth, and all seems right with the world. Welcome back to the Cannon Fire Podcast, live on YouTube today for episode 238. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. How are we feeling, my friend? What a win for the Bucs. Yeah, and uh, we talked about it beforehand. It was just uh, a game that, even though the Panthers were up 3-0, they scored first. Um, it just, it never really felt in doubt to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, it just, it, I felt like a, a comfortable game. There was never any nervous moments. Uh, it just, it always felt like even when Carolina got some things going, it was just like, okay, like it was no big deal. And it was, it was nice, especially, you know, with being as banged up as the bugs were, it was nice to get that win. Yeah. And that's exactly what you need. I, I mean, call it a, You know, call it a bounce back game if you want, call it a get right game, but it's a perfect answer to what the Bucs put on the field last week. You lose to a division opponent, your defense only gives up nine points, your offense cannot do anything because of injuries, and uh, this week, you do get Antonio Brown back, but you got a lot of other guys who needed to step up today, and that's exactly what they were able to do. So we're going to talk about all of that and more over the next 45 minutes or so, but Let's go ahead and dive right into this thing. I, I want to talk about the defense first. I, I know the the storyline of the offense and the you know the makeshift wide receiver room they had, the younger guys who had to step up. I know that's a nice storyline, but let's talk about what this defense was able to do because they've only given up 15 points over the last two weeks, and that's back-to-back games well, against and, the division opponent. They're, they're, and, and no touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. No touchdowns either. And uh, I think a guy who stood out the most on that defense today was number 33, Jordan Whitehead. I mean, immediately he made his presence felt from the first drive of the game. He basically alley-ooped a sack over to uh, Will Golston, I believe, who also had two and a half sacks on the day. Um, But Jordan Whitehead came off of that blitz unblocked, was able to get a hand in there and help bring down Cam Newton. He had the interception later on in the first half. And aside from that, he was just all over the field. He was putting on a tackling clinic out there. It was probably one of the best career performances I have ever seen from Jordan Whitehead. I think that probably was his best performance. Um, that's the best I've seen him at least. Yeah, he was he was all over the place and uh, re- really well deserved. Um, he kind of had yeah. the. It, it was. Uh, it's a tic tac call, but the roughing the passer at the end of the first half was really the only blemish yeah. I can think of today. But again, it's just eh, it was a weird call. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it's he's doing what he does. I mean, you know, if, if Newton would have got rid of that ball earlier on the alley-oop sack, you know, it would have been called. So it's, you know, like I said, it was a very nice game for him, and he's had a very nice season. And, I mean, the team is different when he's not out there. It's a, it is a difference when he's not there. So it was really nice to see him back out there healthy and, um, you know, being able to contribute because, I mean, he's, he's a good football player. 
Hey, quick ad break, but uh, let me tell you about our guys over at betonline.ag, one of our main sponsors of the podcast for over a year at this point. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website they have to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and a proud sponsor of the Cannon Fire Podcast. As we look at what else this defense was able to do, as I mentioned before, a season high seven total sacks for this defense. Uh, Will Golston put up a career high two and a half sacks today. He had, again, one of the better performances of his career and really just a testament of how he's benefited from this Todd Bowles system. But really, a lot of those sacks came together after Shaq Barrett left the game. We'll talk about him really quick. Uh, Shaq went down with an injury came back into the game for a few snaps, and then the Bucks just ended up putting him out. Uh, you better believe it's more than, or uh, you better believe it's nothing more than just the Bucks being careful here, right? You want to keep this guy healthy for the playoffs. That's your number one goal towards the end of the season. And I think clearly the way the Panthers' offensive line was playing today, they thought they could get some production without 58 on the field, and they were definitely able to do so. Um, yeah, uh, so... They they were able to to like you said able to have success with that. Uh, Barrett Bruce Arians says has a minor uh, MCL injury, so obviously we'll see if he if he ends up playing or not next week. It's the Jets, so I mean you shouldn't need Shaq Barrett to to win next week, but it'd still be nice to get him to go. But I mean at this point the the number one priority has got to be the playoffs. That that has to be you know it's got to be getting guys hundred percent healthy. If they absolutely needed Mike Evans to play today, I think he could have. Like, I, I do if they absolutely needed him to play, but why risk it, right? So and I think that's a reason they took Barrett out as well. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, seven sacks. I tweeted before the game. I said there's just there's not much – there's no excuse um, for the defensive line not just go out and dominate, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, I mean, from start to finish, really, there there was no warm up period for this defensive line. They were they were getting after it, and um, the seven sacks is their most since 2013 against Buffalo. So it's been a while since they've had that many sacks in a game, and it was really nice to see. Hundred uh, percent. Another storyline I want to talk about with this defense, or just something I took away from this game. Jordan Whitehead definitely left the charge, but it felt like tackling was a lot better this week. Um, you know, there didn't seem to be very many instances where plays got away from them. I know it was, a what was it? 33 or 44 yards of a quarterback run for Cam Newton early on in the game. But aside from that, there weren't many huge bursts of offense for Carolina. Like I, I, Sam Darnold had that nice throw when he came into the game later it's on. It's a broken play. Yeah, right. You know, it's one of those things where you can't entirely be upset with the way the defense fell apart there, but like there weren't too many moments in this game. It, it like that where you know it felt like Carolina was really driving and I thought tackling was a big part of that no and I mean some of that is just due to Carolina being completely inept like yeah I, honestly the the two quarterback system is stupid like it, it really is it's just you're neither quarterback can get into any sort of rhythm especially with a bad offensive line it, just, it doesn't make any sense I don't know what the Carolina coaching staff was thinking but yeah I mean really I thought Devin White had a really nice tackling day I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about Jordan Whitehead again. He had a really nice day just doing everything. But, um, yeah, I thought everybody really stepped up well. And, um, you know, having that fully healthy secondary finally, or I should say cornerback room because Antoine Winfield was still out. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it was good to see them be able to have that success with the the cornerback room who – Really, I mean, yeah, Carlton Davis just came back. Sean Murphy Bunsen's been back, but Jamel Dean was then out. And just you haven't had that group really together a lot so with Richard Sherman, who I, I didn't really see out there much. He was out there a little bit towards the end, but um, it was nice to see. And, yeah, the tackling was definitely good. Uh, so, like I said, a lot of it has to do with Carolina just sometimes. I mean, not even being able to – some of it has to do with them not even being able to get rid of the ball because they were getting sacked or getting hit. But um, other times, yeah, it, it was it was really good. And, I mean – the Panthers really didn't even try to run the ball. So, 
Yeah, and I think it's exactly what you want from a defense. Their ability to make plays, their ability to limit plays for Carolina's offense. It's exactly what you want in the situation that you're in, right? Your offense comes in. It's kind of an experimental first half for those guys. There's clearly some miscommunication, some errors that they had to clean up. Well, when your defense is kicking ass the way that Tampa Bay did today, you usually feel pretty confident in games like that. But that's you know really good to see from this defense and uh, just a textbook performance from them. Let's go ahead and talk about the other side of the football. We'll start with the quarterback. Talk about Tom Brady. I thought for the most part, TB12 played well, right? No turnovers, a fairly pedestrian afternoon as far as his season average for stats goes. But, you know, he definitely got the job done. I, I think more than anything, as we look at this offense as a whole, I think execution errors let Tom down a bit today. Uh, there was some frustration in the first half, and his body language definitely said it all at certain times in this game. Um, but I think at the end of the day, just some errors, miscommunications that they had to get through uh, and get over in the first half, and that comes with the territory of being shorthanded the way they are. Yeah, and um, like like we talked about, you know, it wasn't it might not have been the prettiest in the world, right? And it wasn't gonna be, I, I don't think, especially on just short notice. You know, losing Chris Godwin is a huge loss, but then you also have to lose Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette. Now, luckily, the running back stepped up. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but yeah, I thought Brady did a really good job. I thought there was a really good job to game plan to get the ball in Antonio Brown's hands with some quick stuff, quick outs, stuff like that to just get him the ball, right? Get it in his hands. Um, I thought that was really well done. And obviously, you know, I guess you can't give any credit to the coaching staff because that's forbidden. Um, but I, I thought the coaching staff did a really nice job of that. Uh, I expect to see a little bit more of the tight ends, just a little bit. I, I thought you know, early on, I thought maybe, okay, test out a B a little bit, but eventually you know, you get those tight ends involved and it just really didn't happen. Uh, there was a few plays where there's some miscommunications with the tight ends or, um, you know, OJ Howard had a nice screen pass that was called back on a, on a penalty, but it's, um, yeah, it was a really nice day for Brady, a, a pedestrian day. But, hey, you know, it, it gets the job done. And uh, he didn't make any mistakes. This is a, still a good Carolina defense. And uh, he was able to, to control himself and, and really control the game. As we talk about some of these execution errors for Tampa Bay, before we really dive into the good stuff, because I promise we're going to get to that. There's plenty to talk about. Uh, but you had mentioned, you know, some of those execution errors. And I think – some people are very quick to just, you know, to pin it on this coaching staff, to pin it on a guy like Byron Leftwich, who we have defended on the podcast this week. I know regular listeners are, are kind of used to that, but, um, you know, that third down play with the miscommunication with the tight ends, I think is a is a perfect example to use here. It was uh, well third and two. And basically the Bucks had three tight ends lined up on the right side of the field. And the way the play design worked, Rob Gronkowski and OJ Howard had to get outside and block. Cam Brate would start outside, cut inside on a slant route, go behind the blockers, catch the football. And if he caught the football, it would have been a first down Tampa Bay because he would have gotten three mm -hmm. yards and that's really all they needed. Well, OJ Howard didn't entirely get off of his block in time. Cam Brate runs into him, isn't able to finish the route. And you know how quick Tom Brady gets rid of the football. By the time that miscommunication already happens and Cam's not where he's supposed to be, the ball's going to be there, right? So mm -hmm. that's that's execution. That wasn't a bad play call. I thought it was a great play call, and if it had been executed the way it was supposed to be, Cam probably would have gotten a first down and maybe 10 more yards because there weren't a lot of people sitting there in the middle of the field waiting for him. So, you know, just, just execution errors. But again, yep. circling back to how shorthanded they were, you know, it's just something they had to get over, but it definitely held this offense back a few times in this game. A little bit, um, mostly execution in the red zone a lot too. Um, they, they could have the score could have been much better. They could have scored over forty, right? Could have got close to fifty if the red zone offense was a little bit better. But you know, yet again, that's where that might be an adjustment. You know, how much are you actually going to be able to practice red zone with the guys you currently have right now? You, know, you practice red zone all at training camp went with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and and everybody there. But now it's an adjustment there. So I think, you know, that's going to be a work in progress a little bit. You might have Mike Evans back next week, but that'll still be a little bit of a work in progress. Was a little bit, I think G Vegas mentioned this, was a little bit disappointing that Karkowski came up short in the red zone a few times, specifically on the one where it was a tougher catch, but it, it seemed like one he sh probably should have made. Um, I mean, he says, you know, but Karkowski hasn't been dominant since he came back from his injury. I, 
I, I think you look at that Indianapolis game and you look at the Atlanta game and I, I beg to differ. Um, I think he's been really good in those games. It's just, you know, I, I think last week's game and then the inactivity in this week's game sort of makes it seem that way, but it's, he was fine. Um, I, I think, but it's yeah, also, I mean, if I think ahead. it's also important to mention with a guy like Gronk, cause I did want to kind of ask the question of what's been going on with him specifically these last two weeks, really he's had the drops, but at the same time, I think it's also important to remember that like he's the kind of guy where he's going to get looks, but when he's not getting looks, 99% of the time he is either being manhandled or he is in double coverage, right? Like most of the time he's covered and a lot of the throws that are being thrown to him that he's not able to uh, not able to reel in. Some people would refer to it as vintage Gronk because it's like, you know, he's one-on-one coverage with a guy who's being physical. He's going to win that matchup. He's going to jump up and be physical and get the football. He hasn't done that every single time after doing it against Atlanta and doing it against Indy, like you had just brought up. You know, so I, I guess it does beg the question, but is this something we need to worry about as the playoffs get closer? I mean, I personally feel like no. this guy is fine, and it's just kind of a weird patch for him. His quarterback's Tom Brady. Right. They're like they're, they're up there in the history books for a reason. That no, there's nothing to worry about. Honestly. I've got every reason to believe Tom's going to pull him aside this week and have a come to Jesus speak with him, though, because after he dropped that one in the end zone, even Tom was on the sidelines. Like, what is he doing? Well, no, that wasn't really about that. That was about the previous play where Brady had to call a timeout because Gronkowski was lined up on the wrong side. Oh, gotcha. Um, so th- that's what Brady was more angry about. Maybe the um, broadcast made it a little misleading because I was under yeah. the assumption he was referring to the drop in the end zone. Yeah, no, but Brady was pretty upset that he had to take a timeout there because Gronkowski was on the wrong side. Um, but, I mean, that that's mostly, you know, you're not going to find Brady – really too angry at guys for like performance things it's more of the mental stuff right the lining up on the wrong side or this and that like it's more about that stuff that he gets really angry at so yeah but i mean i'm not worried about gronkowski he'll be he'll be fine well let's talk about what this offense did well today because they certainly did do that we talked about the makeshift wide receiver room they had they were able to put up over 30 points on the road in a division contest And the guy who led the charge today, leading receiver on the team, business was definitely booming. 10 receptions for 101 yards, one Antonio Brown. What a return for AB. Welcome back to this offense. I mean, you know, no no touchdowns, unfortunately, to to really pad just such a great stat line, but really a great start for Antonio Brown and, and great news for this offense. He was wide open today. Well, a lot of times it's because of the scheming. Uh, a lot of times it's because scheming to get the ball in his hands. And uh, Carolina was sending a lot of pressure looks towards Brady, and he's just able to recognize. I don't know why they were doing that, but he's able to recognize it so easily and just get the ball to guys. He did a few times as a real Grayson, too. So, um, yeah, I, I thought A.B. looked good. Didn't really look any, you know, any rusty or anything. Ankle looked good and everything. So, yeah, it's important for him to be back. He wasn't as explosive today, but that's not what you need, right? Sometimes this wasn't going to be that type of game, right? You know, they had the one, two explosive plays, but one through the air with a surreal grace in play. Um, But it just, it wasn't going to be that type of game. But AB did his job and, you know, that's all you can really ask for right now. So, I mean, it, it was good to see him out there. Like I said, the ankle looked good. He wasn't playing against some scrub corner. I mean, they had Stephon Gilmore on him for a good bit of the game. And, yeah. you know, he, he handled Gilmore pretty well. So it, it was nice to see. And, you know, Brady and Brown just have you know really good chemistry. Another guy in this passing attack who stepped up today was an unlikely name, but a welcome one. Surreal Grayson, three receptions for 81 yards. And his prettiest catch of the day was no doubt the first one he had. It was I don't know, 60 something odd yards. I don't remember the exact me- uh, metric, but I actually jumped on with our buddy James over on his live stream at halftime and talked to him about this. This was probably my favorite play of the game. Would have been perfect if it was a touchdown, but it was a great route run by uh, run by Grayson, and he was really showing awesome mobility today. So the one that I'm referring to is first catch of the day. It looked like he was just going to run an out route because, you know, on the Fox broadcast, you can really only see so much of the top of the screen. Mm-hmm. So it looked like he was just going to run an out route and maybe sit there on the sideline or try and come back and make a play on the football. Well, he just cut right back up the field once he hit the sideline and he absolutely cooked the DB that was on him. And uh, he's wide open. Tom Brady able to find him. The rest is history. But, uh, you know, another young guy who was able to step up today 
And, you know, those are the performances that you need. It was good to see that from yeah. another guy on this offense today. No, you're, you're right. That's what, that's the type of performance you need when you're down this many players on offense. Um, they needed a guy like Tyler Johnson or a guy like Sabriel Grayson or a guy like Scotty Miller. They needed somebody else to step up. Right. I think he has kind of assumed that, yeah, Antonio Brown might be able to do his thing. They might have some success running the ball. Maybe the tight ends get implemented, but in order to be able to have success, you're going to need that other guy, right? Like you're going to need that other guy to get it done. And so real Grayson was that guy. So kudos to him. Really. He had a really nice game. He's had a really nice season here in spurts, obviously. Um, but he's, he's had a really nice time and um, they, they ran a few end arounds with him, which worked for the most part. I mean, that one fake end around was really nice where they faked it to Vaughn and threw it to him. So we'll see if they use that again next week. Uh, I don't see any, I mean, you know, maybe he's activated, maybe he's not, because Rashad Perryman should be back off of the COVID list, and Jalen Darden also should be back. So we'll see if they use him at all. And I I, I, Jalen Darden hasn't really shown you much since Real Grayson just showed you there that, that he can do it a little bit. So I'm not sure. They might have a tough decision there uh, as far as, like, the practice squad elevations and stuff, even though I do think that Surreal uh, Grayson's elevations are done, so they would have to put him on the active roster. You know, Justin Watson was active. So, I mean, they got a couple moves, a couple moves they can do. But, uh, yes, yeah, real Grayson really stepped up. And this offense needed somebody else, right, that needed to be an unlikely hero to step up. And Grayson was that guy today. And hopefully, you know, maybe next week it's somebody else. You know, because if Mike Evans doesn't play, I think he might. But if he doesn't, somebody else has got to step up. It can't just be all A, B. You know, it has to be somebody else because this offense won't reach its full potential as banged up as it is, it won't reach its full potential if it's just one guy. On the topic of unlikely heroes, another guy who stepped up today, your boy, huh? I know. Big 2-1, well, sneak, well. sneak. Keyshawn Vaughn, what a day for him. 55-yard touchdown right out of the gate to put the Buccaneers up 7 and nothing. And while his level grin on my face. While his level of production didn't necessarily, you know, maintain throughout all four quarters of this game, that touchdown was pretty important to what this offense was able to do because they still mm -hmm. had the rest of those adjustments and uh Keyshawn Vaughn's touchdown really was what kept this game as comfortable as a lead as it was the well, that, entire that was the afternoon. first touchdown. That was the first touchdown of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the, the, so, yeah, that was the first score of the game. The Bucks got on the board. So, um, yeah, it's uh, a <laughs> like I said, I, I just I started grinning. Um, don't worry, though. He got he got us back with that critical drop on third down. He got us back. Don't worry. Yeah, I was like, there yeah, he is. I, I wanted was, to. There he is. I, I wanted <laughs> to, you know, I wanted to try and say, hey, it's it's great for Keyshawn Vaughn to finally put up some good film. Uh, something he can look back on. I mean, you know, he did have the receiving touchdown from Brady, I think week three of 2020 against week LA. Four, yeah. yeah, week four. But, you know, aside from that, that, yeah, you know, so <laughs> a 55 yard just, you know, rush to the crib is definitely going to make your highlight reel. I but... think I think it was either Johnson or Grayson who was also blocking on that. Play. Yeah, really whoever nice that lead receiver that was, man, they were um, they were doing well today. So, yeah, just a you know, good day for him. You know, it's good. I thought he was really good as a runner. It's just as a receiver, he just gives you nothing. Like, he gives you absolutely nothing as a receiver. And I don't think that's going to change. So, I was surprised we didn't see Le'Veon Bell, you know, earlier, besides you know, when the game was already decided. But, hey, I mean, you know, when, when Keyshawn Vaughn and Ronald Jones are running the ball that good and Tom Brady only had to throw the ball, like, what, 28 times or something, you know, you didn't need Le'Veon Bell for that. And, you know, that, that, that's good. Yeah, Ronald Jones, by the way, his stats for today, 20 carries, 65 yards, and a touchdown. Pretty good day for Ronald Jones. I, I wish he could have done a little more with 20 carries because he has been more productive in the past, but the way he started this game was important because I also think that's something that factored into the offense, just finding their rhythm, giving these guys more time to really get that passing game down pat. Antonio Brown, of course, getting warmed up, but yeah, I thought Rojo had a pretty solid day. The first quarter first half it felt like every time he got the ball it was you know almost a guaranteed four five six yards from him I, I liked what I saw and hopefully more of the same workload next week against the lack uh, lackluster run defense in New York can lead to a you know better result in the box score at the end of the day yeah I mean he was able to get himself a touchdown too though I mean that's you know whatever um but uh, yeah it's just the difference between him and Fournette is Fournette while he's good he still dances a little bit Jones just hits the hole, but sometimes Jones hits the wrong hole because he's so focused on just going that he just, he can't like 
stop himself. Um, so yeah, it's, it was a good day for him. Not a great day, but it was a good one. A lot of those, I mean, he had 20 carries, but like some of them were when the game was already decided and like the Panthers knew the Bucks were just going to run. So a lot of it's kind of skewed. Um, but you know, it was, it was a good day. As I see him in the end zone, he caught a screen, which was a nice play. Um, you know, it's just, it's all about gaining confidence. And I mean, you know, they're going to need him. Obviously Leonard Fournette should be back. I keep mentioning this. He should be back for the wild card game, but in the event that he's not, you're going to need Ronald Jones to step up again. So these are good types of games to sort of get his confidence up. Yeah. And I know we'll, we'll mention him just, uh, you know, for the sake of mentioning him, but Le'Veon Bell was out there today, Mm. better late than never, I guess. I'll tell you, when he stepped on the field late in the fourth quarter, it looked like a preseason game, by the way. Like, Tom Brady didn't finish the game. Yeah. Blaine Gabbert filled in. Uh, you know, Nick Leverett ran out there. They were taking some of the pro bowlers off of the field. You got to do what you got to do. Keep these guys healthy. But it was kind of surreal to see Le'Veon Bell in a Bucs uniform. Kind of weird. Yeah. yeah, like, these announcers are just, you know, talking about how he wanted to retire and maybe pursue boxing. And now he's looking to to chase a ring with Tampa Bay. And it's just... You know, we talked about it when they signed him, but still it's it's one of those things that like just the amount of names that have passed through Tampa Bay over the past few seasons, you know, Shady McCoy at running back, some other guys who have already played on the team still on the team. Uh, it's just another one of those kind of weird sightings, but hopefully we see a little bit more of them uh, against one of his former teams, New York next week, too. I think you will. It's got to be a Le'Veon Bell revenge game, right? Right, yeah. That's got to be a Le'Veon Bell slash Todd Bowles revenge game. It really does. And, I mean, Zach Wilson looking like Michael Vick today. You can't have that happen next week. Hey, well, our guy Tony Baloney in the chat really quick. Well-known Byron Leftwich critic. He but says, well-known, not well-known coaching staff, correct? Not yeah, just yeah, not just Byron here, but uh, our good buddy Tony says, much better play calling on offense this week. What did you think overall of the offensive mm-hmm. game plan that uh, Leftwich was able to roll out? I thought the game plan was good because it was necessary. Uh, you couldn't come out and throw this ball 40 times. It, just, it wasn't going to work. I think they, you know, I, I think last week's game really opened their eyes on what they have at receiver um, and that, Scotty Miller, you know, I know Jalen Darn didn't play, but guys like that, he's not, you know, they're not that great, right? I mean, Tyler Johnson isn't that great. You know, I mean, they knew they were getting AB back, which was a bonus. They didn't have AB last week, but um, I think that they knew that, like, if they tried to throw the ball 40 times, especially with the Panthers' pass rush, you know, being their their best unit on defense, really. I mean, Hassan Reddick and uh, Yatir Grossmatos were – were basically non-factors today. Uh, they just they they didn't really do much. But you know, if you came out and threw that ball forty times, one it has Brady susceptible to take hits, which that's the last thing you need, right? I mean, he if he goes down, the season is over. Like it's if he goes down, the season like I hate we, we make fun of all those people saying, well, the season's done. If, if Tom Brady goes down, yeah, the, I'll agree, the season is over. Uh, but apparently, they can win eleven games with Blaine Gabbert. Um, that's what I'm told uh, by people, but yeah, I mean, it was a good, it was a good game plan. Um, I thought, you know, the mix of run pass was good. You tried to establish a run game, but I also thought, you know, the, the passes, they made sense. Like I said, scheming to get AB open, scheming to get some real grace in the ball in space where he can use his speed. Like that's the type of things that make sense. And I would expect him to do the same next week. Um, I think Mike, like I keep saying, I think Mike Evans is going to try and give it a go. One of these next two games, because they're going to try to get him a thousand yards. I don't think they're going to push the envelope, but he needs 101 more. And I think they're going to try to get it for him, but, yeah, I thought that the game plan this this entire week on both sides of the ball was uh, was really good. And you know, Carolina's offense sucks, but Carolina's defense has been good this year. And it was a really nice road game, uh, which the Bucks' offense has struggled on the road this season. Uh, it was really nice to see them, you know, finally be able to put a good game plan together on the road, face some adversity, but overall, just you know, be able to really dominate. Our buddy B Master Six in the chat also brings up a revenge game for. Another former New York Jet next week. That's Rashad Perryman. We'll we'll talk about him really quickly. And, uh, you know, the addition of him back into this wide receiver room, I think, can only mean more good news for Tampa Bay. Maybe it'll take him some time to get warmed up. But uh, with Surreal Grayson stepping up the way that he did this week, it's very necessary. It's what you needed. 
but you can't expect them to do that every single week. And I think adding some more guys to pad out that room, Rashad Perryman coming in at a great time, you know, just more good news for this offense, I think. But yeah, mm-hmm. what do you think? But potential BP revenge game this week too. Levy on Bell be. and maybe maybe James's prediction was just a few weeks off. Right? Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe maybe it was just a few weeks off. And Frank G mentioned Steve McClendon. We got a bunch of former yeah, Jets. Yeah, I mean, man, it's a it's it's an underrated. It's like Jet South. Man, oh man, how about that? Um, Jets oh. and Patriots, the NFC East. I mean, the AFC East. Sorry, the AFC East, guys. Man, oh man. Um, yeah, but it's you know, like I said, you know, talking about next week's game, it's it's just another opportunity for, um, you know, for guys to step up. And like I said, I do think Mike Evans will play. That might take some targets away from some other guys, but we'll see. Uh, will in the chat says Tyler Johnson is a disappointment. I had high hopes for him. Um, Today, I didn't think it was a bad Tyler Johnson game just because I didn't seem like that was the game plan. You know, it seemed like he was used more as a blocker, which was, you know, a lot of times Chris Godwin's role. Um, But they were using Tyler Johnson as the blocker in Godwin's role, but they were using Grayson as the the screen guy, the guy who got the ball in the hands. Uh, So they kind of took two players to do one guy's job and it, it worked. I mean, Tyler Johnson is probably at this point, the best blocking wide receiver they have. So, you know, they're, they're going to be able to, to use him more and hopefully they, you know, he, I hope he gets some targets, but if he's able to do his job and, and block you know, properly, who cares, man? We got a good question from our buddy G Vegas in the live chat here, and, and we'll kind of shift, shift focus to another topic, but I think it's one definitely worthy of talking about. His question, can the league find the refs for not calling a delay a game on the Panthers when the play clock was zero for three and a half whole seconds? How horrible was that? This is the second straight week, by the way, that it seems like the officials have missed a blatant delay of game against Tampa Bay. But I mean, you know, it, it is what it is, I guess. But yeah, how about this officiating? It's been even worse on the primetime stages this year. Um. Yeah, so on that one, it seemed to me like, I, I don't know, apparently the refs didn't realize it was at zero, but at the same time, like we're, we don't have a video of the sideline, right? So the play clock could have actually been at one when the ref, when the you know, coach is calling a timeout, like it could have been, and we just, we don't see that. So I, I always, I don't know that, that that's always tough to me. Whenever there's a timeout, the saints one last week, the clock hit zeros and the saints ran the play and there was no timeout that that should have been a penalty because the saints ran the play, but the Panthers called a timeout. So that meant that they recognized it was going down. So it just all depends on, we just don't have the access or the camera angles to tell, well, did he actually call the timeout before your clock hit zeros or not? Um, I am Emily, not. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Real quick. I was just going to wrap it up real quick. I am not a big conspiracy theory guy. You know that, but do you buy any of the noise that the refs have gotten just awful? Absolutely abysmal since a lot of sports betting has passed. Huh? Do you, do you think that's a common factor at all? Do you buy any of that? Are you in on it? No, I, I don't think so. I can't wait for the 30 for 30 one day. That's like, you know, that exposes the corruption of NFL refs from 2020 to to 2026, the inside circle from the rep from the can of fire (laughs) podcast on December 26th. Roger Goodell was in on it. Throw them all in jail at 535 PM Eastern time. He claims that the NFL is, is corrupt. Well, yeah, the NFL won't be the only organization that's corrupt. It's, it's, it's not too late. I got, I got my (laughs) tinfoil hat around here. I'll make sure I put it on before the end of the show, but yeah, um, the NFL has a bunch of teams that are corrupt. Yeah, I know just a bunch (laughs) of sleaze balls. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Emily asked, did did we're kidding? We're kidding. By the way, folks, we're just joking. Did Vaughn's good game go for not after that drop pass? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think it's fair because I mean, like I said, he ran well. Um, he he ran the ball well. It's he had just, a couple more man. carries afterwards too. Yeah, and I mean that drop wasn't as as egregious as the one last week. Um, that drop was it was kind of a bullet. He probably wouldn't have got the first down anyway. Um, yeah, but I, whatever. Um, Mister Mister Smith said I'd be I'd be about not finding the refs, but instead of one good kick to the nuts. That, that's a good one. Almost yeah. like the longest yard, right? It was the one that Adam Sandler. There's one like, kick. Where he just throws the ball? One swift kick of justice. Speaking of kicks. 
Yeah, how about it? Got huh? out. Ryan suck up with quick yeah, back man. clap for suck up. Huh? Suck up doesn't suck anymore. Put it. Uh, put him. Put him back we, on the check. We, Put him back put on make the your kicks on the checklist yeah. once and he goes five for five or whatever. Yep. We put him back on the checklist this week under pressure. He steps up. The man is ice cold and uh, he really was a driving factor in this offense. What was his longest make today? Like 46, 48, 48. 48. Yeah, man. That's exactly what you need. A good bounce back game for suck up. Anything I know inside he... of 50. That's what you need. Yeah, exactly. But you love to see it from him, man. And um, shout out the shout out to the punter. I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, but, uh, shout I, well, out to him. I, I guess we uh, I guess we should address it real quick. So the people's champ was a healthy scratch today, but he wasn't entirely healthy. I mean, he was just inactive because he's been dealing with a hip injury. He was dealing with a hip injury going into last week's game. But as we know, the offense didn't do him any favors as he punted the ball literally nine times. So I'm sure his <laughs> hip is not feeling too great. So he probably just needed a week off. I, I'd maybe expect him back for the Jets. I mean, at the at the the most time he'll miss is probably the rest of the regular season. But like, I he's fine. I don't think he's in jeopardy of losing his job or anything at this point. No, in the season. no. But you know what I did see? I did see, you know, possibly a guy for the future. Maybe, you know, yeah. uh, we, 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 we love pinion. He's a friend of the show. People's champ, whatever. Right. You know, you're never going to get us to say anything bad about him. Um, but, you know, at the same time, his cap, it's like 2.9 million for next year. That's a lot. Like that, that, that's a lot for a punter. So maybe, you know, the bucks are able to keep this guy. I forget his name. But it starts with an H. Maybe the Bucks are, you know, they're they're able to to keep him, and he's a guy you can you can keep and maybe be the guy next year, right? His name is Sterling Hoffrichter. So, Star, I mean, his name first name his name's fantastic for one. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I mean, that's not the average football name. It's a little German compared to what we're used to, but that, in my opinion, that's still a great football name altogether. He sounds like he sounds like a billionaire's son. He Sterling. sounds like he sounds like the literal embodiment of like a freight train. Sterling, Sterling, huh? <laughs> so, hey, hello, hello, madam. My name is Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, it. That, that's what it sounds like to me. Uh, Richard just purchased his hat and t shirt. There you go. There you go hat man. and t shirt game, right? You just know, want to remind you one more time, pal. Yeah, we, we talked we talk about this before the podcast. I am very glad the Bucks won today, not only because it's, you know, first division title in 14 years, hip hip hooray, but. I'm so glad I don't have to hear before every single broadcast. Oh, it's a hat and t-shirt game for Tampa Bay because they only mentioned it eight times yesterday or uh, last week against New Orleans between the radio broadcast and the TV broadcast. And then this year you had Mark Sanchez and that other chuckle nut up in there. Uh, they mentioned <laughs> I, I it. No, I didn't know what you were going to describe him as. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I Sanchez sucked by the way. Yeah, he was really was, bad, man. Like they, they, I, really I mean, could. you can tell he just, he just, he sounds awkward, you know, like I think he could be good because like, I do think quarterbacks have like some of the best knowledge they can, like yeah, no yeah. matter, even if, if you sucked or not, like Dan Orlovsky, he was terrible, but I really like his analysis. Um, but like, it just seemed like he was awkward. So there's our, there's our announcing review uh, for this week. <laughs> um, we, 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 when when real question real real question sorry i think the bugs are on fox the last two weeks of the season yeah are we gonna get chris myers like come on right are we yeah gonna get no Fred, kidding man you know, it, chris myers on the come on well 2020 it took us all the way until the end uh, until week 17 against atlanta to get our buddy chris myers in the booth they have man, plenty man. of time to do it i mean the bucks are probably going to finish the season on fox they're done on prime time right Mm -hmm. The last mm -hmm. three game, or the I'm sorry, the last two games they have now are both at one o'clock. Yep, yep. Yeah, no reason you shouldn't put uh, the goat Chris Myers up in the booth. But real quick, as we look at the live chat here and start to close things out, our buddy G Vegas, the moderator, says my biggest takeaway from this game: the defense will not allow more than 22 points for the rest of the season. Here is a bold take from him: they're playing great. Hopefully, the Bucks offense can put up the points. What What do you think? I, I think this defense has kind of yeah, you know, I mean, hit hit a strong point. They're playing the Jets and the Panthers. So, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, no kidding. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. You know, G Vegas. I like it. You know, I don't know how bold that is. Um, you know, I, I do think it's possible. We'll, we'll definitely see. Uh, he well, also asked though, real quick. I just yep. want to get this out. He also asked, do players really care about division hats and T-shirts? I doubt Brady kept all from his New England days. Well, no, because they want it every year. So, like, why would you keep it every yeah, year? He's but got this, a box but, of like twenty of them. You know, but but this one he might keep because. You know, it, it's about, you know, um, yeah, it, 
the first one in the NFC, in the NFC South, the first one in what, how many years, 14 years for this team. So, you know, we'll probably keep this one. I'm sure every player there you know, for like Levante David, I understand he wasn't able to play, but this is the, his first time winning the NFC South. So like, yeah, that's a big deal. Your first time's a big deal. Yeah. There was another question in the live chat. I cannot remember who it was from off the top of my head. Uh, actually, our buddy Amazement717 asks us, how would you guys treat week 18? We talk about the playoff scenario for Tampa Bay. They win the NFC South today, clinch a playoff berth no matter what, so they could lose mm-hmm. out. They're still going to be in the postseason. Um, but, I mean, between injuries, wanting to stay healthy for the playoffs, but also wanting to go out there and win this game in the pursuit of maybe possibly – you know, the two seed, because I think the one seed, while it is not impossible, it definitely feels like that ship has sailed. How do you handle week 18? If the Bucks go out and slaughter the Jets next week and you got a couple mm. of guys who are, you know, kind of on the men, do you feel like you can finish the sweep against Carolina, a Panthers team with nothing to play for with, you know, a lot of your starters not there? Like, how do you how do you measure those uh, those expectations for week 18? So here's the thing. Assuming that everything goes according to plan, you're still going to need a win week 18 to, to be able to, um, to get either the, the two or three seed, or else you basically almost be, you know, sort of, I guess, giving up and just being the fourth seed. But also, I mean, what if Mike Evans needs 50 yards? What if, you know, what if you're trying to get Tom Brady an MVP? Um, you, you know, like what if you're trying to do some of these things, it's just, and I just don't believe, especially with playing the next week, I just, I would want to keep my players as ready as possible. And I understand the health aspect. I get it. I remember what happened to Mike Evans in week 17 last year. I get it. And maybe, you know, in the fourth quarter, if the Bucks are up 20, yeah, sure, then rest them. But I would at least start them. I would start my whole starting offense. I would start my whole starting defense. And, yeah, if, if you're up 20, 30 points in the fourth quarter, you know, go ahead. You don't play the fourth quarter, whatever. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't, um, I, I never really liked that. Uh, I never really enjoyed, you know, like in the preseason, I never really enjoyed the teams who don't play any starters. I just, I, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not really a fan of that. Um, well, I think if, if there's a guy that's going to want to be out there, it's definitely going to be TB 12 because I, I think even in today's game, the bucks were up 32 to six and Brady was literally in that game until that last first down conversion. And then they brought Blaine Gabbard in. Like mm-hmm. I, I think Gabbard was on the sideline with his helmet on expecting to start that drive and Brady went out there. So obviously I think a lot of these guys are going to want to play. And our buddy Tony says in the chat, resting players is a loser's mentality. Um, and I mean, that's a pretty blunt way to put it, but I do think it's realistic with how mm-hmm. most of these guys on the roster, uh, you know, have their mindset over these last few weeks of the season, sure. because you, you want to hit your stride, right before the playoffs. And I think that's what continuing to play your good players is going to continue to do. Yeah. So real quick, Tony also brings up the seating and let's end it with, let's end the show with, uh, with the seating. So here's where the bucks stand right now. So they entered today, uh, the Cardinals. So here's the deal. Everybody wants a two seed, right? The two seed is the one seed out the window. The, the Packers now have to lose both games to the Vikings and Lions. The Rams it's, have it's to drop one. Yeah. So, so here, so I mean, well, here's the deal. So, um, for the Bucks to get the two seed, uh, one of the check marks has already been checked off. Uh, one of the check marks has already been checked off. That is the Cardinals losing one game. So the Cardinals have now lost one game. Now the Bucks need to one win out, which is the most important one. You got to handle your own business, or else none of it matters. Uh, so you have to beat the Jets, you have to beat the Panthers, and then they also have to have the Rams lose one game. If that happens, the Bucks are the two seed. Okay, so th- that that that's that's the the big one right there. If that happens, that means the Bucks are the two seed. Currently, I believe the Cowboys are still the two seed because the Cowboys own a tiebreaker because in a three-way or four-way tie, it, it, it doesn't go head-to-head, it go, whatever. But on a head-to-head tiebreaker, it, it relies on, well, who won when these teams played. The Bucks beat the Cowboys, so the Bucks will get the two seed. So if you want the two seed, I believe the Rams beat the Vikings today. I think they play the Ravens next week, and they, I forget who they – I think they f- might finish up with Seattle. Or no, San Francisco. They finish up with San Francisco. I would be rooting for Baltimore next week, and I'd be rooting for San Francisco the week after that. If you want the Bucks to get the two seed, um, 
there's a few other ways uh, they can get a, a few different things. The four seed is definitely a possibility, which I know nobody wants to hear. Um, I, I know nobody wants to hear it, but it's possible. Um, it's definitely not something it was then you're talking probably playing the Cardinals probably I mean that game's in it would be in Tampa but like you don't want to play you you don't play that team in the first round right like you want one of the the six or seven um so we'll see if Lamar Jackson's ready if he's ready for next week be able to beat the Rams um you know yeah we'll just have to like I said we'll have to wait and see and um it doesn't matter what any other team does. If the Rams lose, the Bucks win out. Rams lose one, Bucks win out. Bucks are the two seed, right? That's that's the summary there. Um, I, I let me let me butt in here as the eternal optimist, just to add a little bit of something to think about. On top of the situation with LA, the Rams still have San Francisco, mm-hmm. and uh, the 49ers, for some reason, just don't lose to the Rams. Like, it doesn't matter how well they are playing that year. It doesn't matter what kind of pace Sean McVay has that it's offense the, it's going. It's the Bucks and Saints. Yeah, exactly. Like, for some reason, the San Francisco 49ers, that's their Super Bowl in the division, is stepping up to play the Rams. So hopefully they can do that same thing before the end of the season. But, yeah, just just another something to think about, you yeah. know, as, as far as uh, capturing that two seed goes for Tampa Bay. Yeah, so the way the way the the Bucks could get the three seed is if the if the Cowboys lose a game, but the Bucks and Rams win out, the Bucks would be the three seed, with the Rams being the two seed. Um, so that if the Cowboys were to lose a game, the Bucks win out, the Rams win out, the Bucks are, are the three seed. Obviously, they play the six. So uh, you're looking at either playing either San Francisco, uh, New Orleans, Minnesota, or, or Philly. Washington maybe has an outside chance, maybe, but it's not looking likely. So you'd be playing one of those teams if you were the two or three seed uh, as the, the six or seven. So it's important uh, to, to get it. And obviously you're looking back on it. You're looking back at the Washington game. You're looking back at both New Orleans games. Specifically, I'm still going to look back more at the one in New Orleans because the Bucks actually had those, you know, those the lead in that game they had the lead uh so i'm gonna look back at that as the more missed opportunity but um yeah i mean there, there's a path for the bucks to get two there's a book for them a path for them to get four so a lot of football left to be played i know the season's almost over but as far as seeding goes there's a lot that's still to be determined but there's your quick update right now um i believe the bucks are still in fourth because everybody the rams won uh, the Cowboys, I think, are either playing now or they play tonight. So um, I don't think there's going to be any change right now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just be rooting for the Ravens, be rooting for the 49ers, whatever. I mean, if the Ravens beat the Rams, then it doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't matter what the 49ers do. It's already done. But uh, hopefully Lamar Jackson can come back next week and be able to beat the Rams. Yeah, for sure. Let's close it out. Closing thoughts on the take bag. I'm going to add one really quick, and then I'll toss it to you if you want to add one. Um, This one has to do with the defense throughout the rest of the season, and I'm probably going to go ahead and agree with our buddy G Vegas, who has been in the live chat throughout this one. I think the defense has an opportunity to really hit a stride over these next few weeks. I mean, obviously it helps that they're playing the Jets. They're playing the Panthers again, who, I mean, who the hell knows what they're going to be doing at quarterback in Week 18. But, uh, you know, a couple of lackluster offenses. I know you are missing Levante David. But aside from that, I mean, even without Shaq Barrett out there next week, it's still probably on the healthier side that this defense has been all season. You know, you're getting guys back ready for the playoffs. I think the guys Mm -hmm. who are out on the field are really going to be able to produce and turn it on these next couple of weeks. So I I think the defense hits a stride, and I think it's going to be some really good momentum towards the playoffs. And uh, it's exactly what this team needs right now. But, uh I'll call out a strong performance from the defense to close out the year on the take bag. What is uh, what's your take this week? Yeah, I'm just gonna give uh, gonna give Ryan Suckup more props. I mean, th- th- this game it was he made some big kicks. I mean, he really did make some big kicks. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him props. Bruce Arians called him out last week, and he really responded well to it. So I'll give I'll give him all the props in the world. Uh, Any other one? You know what? I'm not going to – I'll have one more after this because I don't want to end on this. Um, Jordan Whitehead's a free agent at the end of the season. He made himself, I think, some money just to, today alone. You know, you'd love to have him back, right? I just don't think that's going to be possible. 
you can't bring everybody back every year. Do you want Carlton Davis back? Okay. Then if you do, it might be at the expense of Jordan Whitehead. Um, it just, it might, it might be, uh, do you want, you know, Alex Kappa or Ryan Jensen? It doesn't seem like they'll be able to bring both of those guys back. It'll be one or the other. Uh, it's, it's just, it's tough to bring everybody back every single season. There's ways to manipulate the cap, but Whitehead has earned himself a big contract. And I think somebody's going to give him it. Uh, and I'm not sure if that's Tampa, but Hey, he keeps balling out and, you know, he's, he would have earned any penny that he receives, he will have earned. Um, and also, it's a quiet game from Joe Tryon today, but, like, you know, I, I thought Shaq Barrett played really well. So uh, I think Joe Tryon's going to have ups and downs, uh, filling in for Jason Pierre-Paul there. And Anthony Nelson, I want to give him a shout-out. I thought he played well. He's starting to come into his own as a pass rusher, so that's a little take there. Uh, Anthony Nelson starting to develop a little bit of pass rushing moves. Took him long enough, but, um, you know, uh, it's nice to see him get a sack. And I believe he has three on the year now. So a nice, nice little staff for him. Oh, yeah, man. The 11-4 and four Tampa Bay Buccaneers are NFC South champions for the first time since 2007. Ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us live on YouTube today. Everybody in the live chat. Our good friend Tony Baloney, B Master, Madanch, Coca, G Vegas, the moderators, Willie Beeman, holding it down. Thank you, fellas, for your service. Joel L. Rican, Amazement717, and anybody else that I may have missed. Thank you for hanging out with us here today. Subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Plenty of great Buccaneers content, and uh, we're really trying to amp some things up for you guys as the playoffs get started, so stay tuned for that. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram, rapidly approaching 30,000 followers. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Last but not least, you can find myself Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you guys on the podcast later on this week for a new edition of the Midweek Mailbag, so keep an eye out for that. And uh, plenty of great content throughout the rest of the week over on our YouTube channel. Thanks once again for checking out this week's edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. We'll talk to you guys later. Until then, and as always... Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.